Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this series of podcasts from Argus, a leading provider of energy and commodity price benchmarks. We're examining the market effects of rapidly rising crude production and exports in the United States. I'm Jeff Kralowitz, Vice President of Business Development for Crude in North America. Hi, and I'm Amanda Smith, the Deputy Editor of America's Crude, which is the Houston-based editorial team that creates the daily price indices for the U.S., Canadian, and Latin American physical spot crude markets. So today's topic is Cushing, which, as many of our listeners know, has been a center of trading activity for decades in U.S. crude markets. But as exports grow and as more crude heads to the coast, the role of Cushing is changing, which is exactly what we want to talk about here. So I guess the first issue is this. Do we see Cushing remaining a key hub for trading and for price discovery in U.S. crude markets? So in a word, yes. The NYMEX futures contract is based on light, sweet, crude oil deliverable at Cushing, and it has more than 2 billion barrels of open interest. And unlike many stretches of time over the last decade, Cushing is no longer dislocated in price from the coast by pipeline bottlenecks. So we don't see those big $15 to $20 spreads between Brent and WTI Cushing anymore. The Cushing price is the basis price for all of the coastal grades that the Argus assesses, most of the U.S. grades Argus assesses, so it is still a critical price. And from a logistics point of view, we still see additional pipelines being built into and out of Cushing. Okay, so that's a good place to start to get into our discussion. What are you and the reporting team seeing in terms of new lines that are coming into Cushing? Well, so there's lots of them, actually. So just to hit a few of the highlights, so Tallgrass, which is a growing midstream company, is looking to expand its Pony Express pipeline in cooperation with Kinder Morgan, more than doubling capacity to 700,000 barrels per day. And that gets more Bakken and Rocky's crew to Cushing. And then the bigger Pony Express volume would compensate for one of the White Cliffs pipelines being switched to NGL service from the Rockies. Then Plains Basin and Sunrise lines from West Texas to Cushing have seen expansions. One other new pipeline involving the Rockies is the Phillips 66 Bridger Joint Venture Line to be called Liberty. It would bring Bakken from North Dakota and Rockies crude to Cushing and would connect to other Phillips 66 lines that could carry that crude onto the coast. And finally, Plains just this summer has come up with a proposal to expand its rangeland pipeline system in western Canada, and then also to expand the glacier system in the U.S. to carry extra Canadian barrels to Guernsey, Wyoming, and then on to Cushing. So lots of new capacity is heading for Cushing, and that's important because this brings more volumes into the domestic sweet crude blend from these locations. Okay, so that sounds like a lot of new barrels coming to Cushing, and yet with all this inbound volume, we're still seeing that inventories at Cushing are falling. So what's going on there? Well, so a couple of things. First, the market is in backwardation. So that's when prompt prices are higher than prices in forward months. And um, when that's the case, or if the market is in only a slight contango where prompt prices are only a little lower than forward price months, then companies don't have that incentive to store crude because they're not going to make money off of storing the crude for the future because they're paying storage fees. So they're just not going to hold on to those barrels and they're going to want to sell them out of inventory. Second, the pipeline bottlenecks that used to limit the ability to get Cushing crude to the coast have largely been eliminated. So lots of companies want to get their crude to coastal refineries or onto the water. And one of the results of that loosening pipeline constraints is lower tariffs on the key pipelines between Cushing and the coast, such as the Enterprise Enbridge Seaway Line and TC Energy's Market Link. Is that right? 
Right. So as you see these, um, the markets aligning more, the Cushing and the coastal markets aligning more, and the spread between those narrowing, you're also seeing these um, pipelines cutting their rates from Cushing to the Gulf Coast because they want to still have crude shipping on the pipelines. So back in July, we saw Seaway and MarketLink pipelines both cut their pipeline rates from Cushing to the Gulf Coast for August deliveries. And then um, Epic cut its pipeline rate from the Permian to Corpus for August delivery um, about in half. And then after that, both Seaway and MarketLink cut their walk-up rates again for uncommitted shippers for September deliveries. Great. So now while we're talking about Seaway and MarketLink, what are the new pipeline projects to get out of Cushing? Well, one very recently announced one is Red Oak, which is a joint venture of Phillips 66 and Plains that uses some existing Plains pipeline capacity and gets crewed from both Midland and Cushing to also to both Houston and Corpus Christi. So the, the interesting about this is this project kind of highlights the trends of spreading pipeline capital requirements out among multiple partners in a JV and using existing pipelines so that you reduce your construction costs. And I guess also this Red Oak project kind of nicely fits with P66's plans to build an offshore buoy for exports of crude in the Corpus Christi area. So we could actually see Cushing and its huge storage capacity effectively becoming a staging area for cargoes out of Beaumont and Houston and Corpus Christi. Right, and I think you could say you could even argue that Cushing barrels could end up being exported from Louisiana once cap line is reversed. So Plains is planning a doubling of capacity on its 200,000 barrel per day diamond pipeline that runs from Cushing to Memphis. Um, right now, it mostly meets the needs of Valero's Memphis refinery. So if they increase that pipeline capacity, then they're going to have extra crude that could be then shipped to a reverse cap line onto St. James. Um, Louisiana and then exported from there. So it could get there by late next year. So we've already seen multiple cargoes of LLS exported from St. James. And so there's no reason why light crew from Cushing couldn't be blended into LLS and exported, or it could be exported on its own. Okay, so there's lots of dots to connect with all this new infrastructure. And I know there are other pipeline projects out of Cushing, such as the Seahorse to Louisiana and Magellan's Voyager, which is currently in its open season. But let's move on. I know you want to talk a little bit about the new storage auctions that are going on at Cushing and the first auction that was just held recently. Yeah, so there was a first auction held in early August for Cushing storage space. It was held by Matrix Markets, which also does the loop storage auctions. And American Midstream sold, they, they offered 2.9 million barrels of storage space, and 2.15 million barrels of that storage space was sold. Now, the price of the, the storage space contracts was only $0.07 cents per barrel, and that's going to be low because, again, talking about there not being the incentive to store crude, you're not going to want to pay a lot of money to to um, store crude in a backward-dated or narrow contango market. Okay, really good. Now here's a little bit of a philosophical price reporting question, and I think we touched on it a little bit earlier. If the bottlenecks between Cushing and the coast have essentially been removed, isn't the Cushing price just a net back from the coast? And can we really say that Cushing is still a price discovery center? So I don't think there's any doubt that this, the Cushing price um, is going to reflect the coastal price more closely than it did before when there was limited pipeline capacity to the coast. But there's other fundamentals that do impact the Cushing market. 
So it has its own local fundamentals. It, crude from Cushing can be run in Oklahoma and Kansas refineries, and then also can be shipped north to the Chicago area refineries. So there's that difference in fundamentals as compared to the coast. And also, it's the basis price for nearly all U.S. crude prices and Canadian crude prices. So WTI at Cushing will always be, or at least in the foreseeable future, I think, command a lot of trading activity. And the market on the physical market is traded as differential to the calendar month average NYMEX. And so that's still among the most actively traded physical assessments that Argus publishes for U.S. crude grades. And I guess alongside of that very actively traded diff to cma the physical WTI at Cushing, we've also introduced back in 2016 several assessments for other grades at Cushing, including Niobrara and Whitecliffs and Bakken. And of course, the DSW that we're, we're going to talk about here in just a second. But it probably brings up the idea of quality specifications. As you know from your perch as the deputy crew editor, the WTI traded at Midland and Houston tends to be in the 42 to 44 API range. And most export WTI cargoes are also in that 42 to 44 API range. So increasingly, the world is seeing WTI as a 42 to 44 API crude. But the quality range for the light suite crude that gets delivered into the NYMEX Cushing light suite futures contract is actually 37 to 42 API. And it's assumed to be a blended grade called domestic suite that uh, meets other specifications and parameters as well. So I guess we have an irony here. The world sees WTI as 42 to 44, and yet the rules around the quality of crude deliverable into the NYMEX contract say 37 to 42. What do you see happening here? So, I, I mean, it is ironic um, that the most of the WTI production coming out of the Permian is, is really, I mean, it's it's lighter than what the contract specifies as the quality parameters. But it's not necessarily a problem since the market already accounts for this quality difference in the price. So then, and the NYMEX Cushing contract has reflected the value of a light blend of crude at Cushing for years. Um, it's just been recently that the parameters have been locked in. NYMEX, in cooperation with the Crude Oil Quality Association and uh, local Cushing terminal operators, they work together to come up with a set of parameters um, to tighten those quality specifications on metals, acid, and on the heavy bottoms. It's an effort to prevent so-called dumbbell barrels from being delivered into the light sweet crude futures contract. So it's been a long, or was a long process to change the quality specifications on the contract to have more points of quality that needed to be taken into consideration for the crude to be deliverable into the contract, but that's, that's come into place. And so the market, they basically assume that the crude delivered is going to be a blended barrel that's gonna fit within those parameters. So you're gonna see actually a discount for DSW or domestic sweet crude to true Permian crude when they're priced at the same location because the market prices that in. So there are, as with a lot of issues in the markets, as long as there's transparency about the quality, the market can reflect that in the price. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I think we're going to have to wrap this up, but let me remind everyone who's listening that there's lots of great commentary and pricing regarding Cushing and the Gulf Coast and other North American markets in the publication that Amanda works on every day, the Argus America's Crude Report. 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for the other five parts of this series. Yes, and please also remember that dates have been set for the next Argus America's Crude Summit, which will be in Houston, February 3rd through the 5th, 2020. So check out ArgusMedia.com for more details. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time with another look into one of the prices that create our world.